Ongoing encouragement is our focus for today. During our Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowered a small band of Christians remaining in Jerusalem. Peter preached a powerful sermon, and about 3,000 people were added to the church uh, that day. From that moment, the believers' conduct gained favor with the people, and the church's numbers continually and gradually grew. Jewish authorities arrested Peter and John for healing healing in the name of Jesus and ordered them to stop. Instead, the Christian community proclaimed the gospel even more boldly. Believers shared what they owned by selling property in order to help others who were in need. That's the backdrop, that's the setting. Uh, for our study today on Barnabas, ongoing encouragement. Do we always need encouragement? Oh, yes. Every hour and every day. Yes. You know, I watched part of the memorial service on Friday, and uh, at the end of it, um, one, the brother of one of the victims was pleading. He was a pastor. And he was pleading with the government to please, please continue to search for remains because they want to be able to bury their loved ones in dignity. So we want to bring them to this house and, uh, and bury them in dignity. And of course, people like that definitely need encouragement, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Um, the reports of the Defense Force officers when they got on the scene was that they had never seen so many sharks in all their lives. And they had to kill two of them to get the others to move away. And um, so it's highly unlikely that they would find um, remains. So we want to keep those persons so that God will provide them with the closure that that they need. What a way to go. Uh, Page 91. What are some interesting nicknames you've encountered over the years? Speedy. Speedy. Okay. Geronimo. Geronimo. Stretch. Okay. Tall. Dorcas. Dorcas. All right. Pookie. <laughs> Where do people come up with these names? I know they have nothing to say what the words are. So, they look like a pookie. Booby. Froggy. And there's some calls that kids froggy. What? Come froggy. Okay, let's look at Bible Me's life. No one views a skyscraper in its early stages and marvels at the extensive nature of its revolve. We don't want to see what makes it stable, we want to see what makes it pretty. Even though revolve isn't pretty, it's incredibly necessary. It's what gives a building its stability and strength. It's what 
it's what holds everything together below the surface. In a similar way, we've all had people who prop us up, who prop us up at different points in our lives. These people have supported us in our faith, even when it felt like the whole world was being turned upside down. And though these people might never receive the applause, they play an essential role of support in our lives. It takes incredible strength of character to be this kind of support for another. It's easier to drift down the road of criticism. The Christian, though, must resist that temptation. We must choose to build up instead of tear down. In this session, we'll look at a man whose own nickname reflected his consistent encouragement of others, and we'll see in his life an example worth following. Okay, interesting. You ever thought about a rebar like that? No. And that's one of the reasons why when they're putting up a building, one of the requirements is that a building inspector would come and inspect the, the rebar before they pour the concrete because people try to get away with not putting the rebar in. Shortcuts. Uh, shortcuts. And that could, that could have catastrophic results yeah, uh, when you don't have rebar where it's supposed to be. Uh, and, and, and I wonder sometimes if those who are responsible for doing it think of the effects of not doing it uh, in terms of, of disaster. I don't think they think about this. Hmm? The hurricanes and things around. Right. Well, in addition yeah. to others, they can't yeah, that's the... Yeah, it the strength of, uh, of the building. I was thinking about that's yesterday we went to Bahama, how beautiful it is, but during the construction people were talking about it not being what it should be. <laughs> so I'm hoping and praying that it is. Everything is good to go on the surface. Because it is yeah. very beautiful. Hopefully it's also beautiful. Yeah, it's stable. Yeah. Yeah. Stable. So what is the point today? Christ-centered living chooses encouragement, not criticism. Okay, and we'll see as we move along how that can be impacting in our lives. So let's look at the first uh, two verses we have, Acts chapter 4, 36 and 37. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles call Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. So the field he owned brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, let's look a uh, couple of thoughts on those two verses. Barnabas, verse 36, verses, in these verses, Luke, uh, the inspired writer of Acts, introduces a believer who would become highly significant in the Christian movement. Although the position historian gave no hint in his introduction of the man's crucial role in the church. The Hebrew name Joseph means he adds or increases. And then Jesus' apostles had given Barnabas 
given Joseph the name Barnabas. Joseph was a Levite who belonged to the Israelite tribe of Levi in order, an order of priests who were dedicated assistants in Israel's worship system. He also was a Hellenistic Jew who spoke Greek and was influenced by many of the Greek customs and ways of the time. Joseph was a native of Cyprus in the island, an island in the Mediterranean Sea, about 60 miles off the coast of Syria. The island had a large population of Jews. At a young age, Joseph may have moved to Jerusalem with his family. We, we, don't, we cannot know how or when Joseph became a Christian, but Luke, Luke's narrative in the text presents him as a believer. And so Jesus' apostles had given Joseph the name Barnabas, which Luke translated to mean son of encouragement. The name Barnabas was made up of the Aramaic term Bar, which means son, and the suffix Nabas, whose meaning is uncertain. One suggestion is that it means prophet or prophecy, so that the name means son of prophecy and designate, designates one who preached or exhorted. Another suggestion is the name means son of refreshment, but nevertheless we know him as an encourager, right? Yes. The one who encouraged yes. many. Uh, and that was a vital part of his ministry. Let's look at the paragraphs beneath the verse and see what else we can learn. The first few chapters of the Book of Acts provide a beautiful glimpse into the early days of the church. These followers of Jesus who had earlier scattered in fear during his crucifixion, had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They emerged from that experience no longer timid, but boldly confident in the authority of Jesus as the rightful Lord of the universe. They gladly shared the good news of forgiveness in Christ, and thousands more believed. Thus the church was born. This new community of people who, apart from their shared faith, had no reason to associate together. All divisions of creed, economic status, and educational level disappeared, and the new church found great joy in growing closer to God and closer together. They freely shared what they had and encouraged one another daily. Acts 4:32-30. Okay, let's look at those verses. Acts. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that, that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, for they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Okay, continue reading. 
Continue, continue to serve. Sorry. <laughs> Among those new believers was a man named Joseph. He earned a nickname Barnabas, but literally means <coughs> that literally means son of encouragement. It seems that Barnabas was a man of means who lived up to his nickname and who went so far as to sell one of the fields he owned and bring the money to the apostles for the mutual good of God's people. Like Barnabas, we too have been given resources, talents, time, finances, and we have to choose what to do with them. We can either use these resources to encourage others, or we can hang on to them for our own security, comfort, and convenience. For us, as it was with Barnabas, our willingness to use what we have for others will be driven by our faith. Okay. Notice uh, the last paragraph. Is the first few chapters of the Book of Acts provide, or the first the first paragraph, okay. uh, uh, provides a beautiful glimpse into the early days of the church. So if you wonder what the early days of the church was like, we get a glimpse here, a picture. Uh, these followers of Jesus had earlier scattered in fear during crucifixion, and persecution was often the means that resulted in the believers being scattered. Uh, and so these followers of Jesus had earlier scattered in fear of during his crucifixion had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They emerged from that experience no longer timid, but boldly confident in the authority of Jesus as the rightful Lord of the universe. They gladly shared the good news of forgiveness in Christ and thousands more believers. So what did this persecution do for these believers? Confidence. It gave them confidence? It scattered them. Okay, as a result of them being scattered, what happened? It, it, it gave them more courage and boldness to share the gospel, right? Yes. And notice the last uh, paragraph sentence says, they gladly shared the good news of forgiveness in Christ. And what happened? Thousands. Thousands, not hundreds. Thousands more believed. And so we see the persecution had a purpose. And that purpose uh, encourages believers to share the gospel. Question number two. What makes generosity a source of encouragement? Peace appears. And those are Jesus' words, right? <laughs> Jesus yes. said that. See the joy of happiness on the recipient's faces. Let me ask another question. How do you feel when you perform an act of generosity? Good. Good, right? Real good, right? Makes you feel real good. All right. Doing the will of the Father. And, that, and so that, that, that has a tendency to provide a source of encouragement, right? Uh, you feel so good that you encourage that you want to you be more generous because it's a good feeling. Keep giving. All right, so that's one of the... Hmm? 
we got to know and use discretion. Yes. So, I mean, discernment comes into it. Yes. You're going to be generous with because some people, they'll always have their hand on for more. <laughs> yeah, there are people who do uh, <laughs> They'll never do for that. <laughs> who, take, who take you for granted. Take yeah. Yeah. So you got to be You got to your kindness for your weakness. You know, one person would say, would tell a person, said, listen, what I'm giving you is not mine, it's God, so uh, you be mindful of that. That's what I tell them, and you know? I give it to them, they say, thank you, they say, thank you. God is going to hold you accountable. That's yeah. right. You do it, you okay. use it. Okay, so in Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 36 to 7, 37, we're introduced to Barnabas and his primary character trait. As we jump to Acts chapter 9, verses 26 to 27, We'll see how that character trait triggered a major movement or moment (laughs) in the early church. So let's look at that other passage. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. You may have heard about the Apostle Paul's dramatic conversion. Okay, well, let's stop right there. Let's, let's look at, uh, let's look at Paul's uh, conversion for a few moments. Um, in Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 to 9, uh, we have the account of Saul's dramatic conversion. On Saul's way to Damascus to find Christians to make as prisoners to Jerusalem, he was confronted by who? The risen Christ. Right? The risen Christ confronted him. Saul obeyed the Lord's directive, entered Damascus, received Ananias' ministry, and was baptized. Saul began preaching in the city's synagogues, strongly proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. The Jews took steps to kill Saul, but his followers often helped him to escape. In many dramatic uh, episodes, they were able to help him to escape and he went on to Jerusalem. When Saul reached Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples or unite with the community of believers. However, understandably, the Jerusalem Christians were all afraid of him. Why do you think they were afraid of him? Why he had a reputation, right? For doing what? Killing Christians. Christians. So no wonder they would be afraid. They were well, all well aware, well aware of his past history of persecuting Christians, getting letters and all that stuff uh, to be able to have the authority to do it. Thus, they did not believe he was a disciple, a true follower of Christ. For all we know, this was a clever ruse to infiltrate the church ranks to identify Christians more easily for arrest. And the story of his about face from a rabid persecutor to a former believer, the fellow believer, was more 
than suspect to them. I mean, you would think the same way, right? Yeah. You know, you're here for a person of a bad reputation, and all of a sudden uh, they come before you and it seems as if they've changed. Would you accept them gladly? No. With welcoming arms? No. 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 You would be suspicious too, right? Yeah. So these people were acting naturally uh, when he showed up. They thought he was uh, concocting another scheme to be able to get into the church to get more believers to persecute. And so it was a natural way uh, for these people to think. Okay, continue to read on, uh, Saria. You may have heard about the Apostle Paul's dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. Originally known as Saul, he was a key leader in the Jewish persecution of the early church. In fact, Saul was known for his zealous campaigns to root up pockets of Christians, throw them in jail, and in some cases, even put them to death. All that changed when, on a particular mission of persecution, Saul was knocked off his high horse and came face to face with the risen Jesus. See Acts 9, 1 to 9. Someone got that? Then Saul took really threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, <coughs> so that if he found way, if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why art thou persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. As a result, he was dramatically and irreversibly changed. The great persecutor became the great missionary. The hater of Christianity became its most ardent defender. The oppressor of the church became the defender of her doctrine. But consider how history might have been different if not for the encouraging spirit of Barnabas. The early church leaders knew about Saul. They had seen what he did to their brothers and sisters. They lived in fear of the day when he might come for them. Then, suddenly, a rumor circulated that Saul had completely changed course. He was now with them instead of against them. We can understand their hesitation. Surely there were more than a few who thought this supposed that this, who thought this supposed conversion was just another scheme to infiltrate their ranks. But Barnabas, the encourager, was willing to take a chance on this new convert. Barnabas was confident enough in the power of the gospel, having experienced the saving power of Jesus himself, to believe this miraculous conversion could be real. Page 96. 
There are few things more powerful than someone willing to stand up for someone else, especially when that person has done nothing to deserve it. Think about how encouraging it is to hear, just when you're at your loneliest and most vulnerable position, that someone is speaking on your behalf. Those moments can change a person's life. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's, uh, question number three. What risks do we take when we stand up for others? What risk? Do we often take? Put yourself on the line. You, okay, you put yourself on the line, yeah, all right? You don't think about yourself, right? No. You would also risk your life from standing up for others. Okay, yeah. you risk your life standing up for others, and sometimes that don't turn out too well, right? Yeah. Okay. Same thing my brother said. Right, and that's how your hand is in the cast now, right? <laughs> yes, yes, Okay, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Kevin accosted uh, someone who was robbing uh, some tourists downtown. Was it downtown, right? Uh, at the uh, Fort Charlotte. At Fort Charlotte, okay. And, uh, and, uh, and they turned on him. And, uh, and they ended up uh, with your arm broken in what, two places? Three. Three places, right? And they had to have surgery, and he's in a cast. So that's one of the risks you take um, uh, when you stand up for others. And then, of course, there were those who uh, used the verbal method of attacking, attacking you, okay? They said that there's a saying that those who don't like you, those who like you will lie for you. Those who don't like you will lie on you, right? Uh, so that's another aspect of what happens when you stand up. Uh, you take with the risk we take when we stand up for others. Hans did that one time. He said he stopped someone with a knife at somebody, and he got the knife at his. There you go. Wow. And, 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 and you wonder why some people don't like to get involved. That's right? the reason when why. When they see a conflict happening. But it's because, always the person getting involved. Yeah, it's always, it, normally what happens is the person who intervenes to help yes, is the person the who ends up get getting, hit or you know, getting injured or, or killed. Okay, so other people today, what people do is instead of getting involved, they pull out their cell phones. Yeah, take pictures. And then next thing you know, it's all over social media. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have a uh, the, the activity there. Choose yes. encouragement. Yes. What do you what do you what do you get, Sari? Use the following template to encourage someone who has been on your mind in recent weeks. In the days to come, rewrite these words on a card and send it to that person. Okay. Has anybody done that? Yes. <laughs> Dear Pastor Lee, you have been on my mind for a while because I truly miss you. You are someone I admire for many reasons, including your faithfulness and love for the Word of God. Also, you are a blessing to me when you encourage me to do the will of God. I always smile when I think about the way you embrace the love of God. I'm thankful to call you my friend. Very good. Okay, and I think that's the sentiments of many people here, right? Uh, especially with regards to Pastor Lee. Uh, I know it's mine. 
All right, so good, very good. Anybody else did uh, did that? No. He asked me Okay, let's look at the... No, we didn't read Oswald Chambers. God yes. never gives us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. Okay, good words. Yes. He never gives us discernment to do what? Criticize. But sometimes people use it that way, don't they? Yes. He gives it for us to do what? To intercede, to be their intercessor. What does that mean? To, 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 to speak up for them. Okay. To, okay. To stand up for someone else, right? Yeah. Okay, let's look at the other passage we have. Acts chapter 11, uh, verses 19 to 26. Someone read that, please. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cyprus and Antioch. Speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out, to Bar out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and, a, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians of Antioch. Antioch, okay, so that's when they first got that label of being called Christians because they resembled the Lord Jesus Christ in their actions, their attitudes, and their behavior. Okay, someone else read the paragraph beneath that. As we've seen, Barnabas encouraged others through his generosity, and the early church flourished. Then, by encouraging and supporting Paul, Barnabas helped the other apostles to accept his ministry in its early days. And as we see in this passage, Barnabas encouraged the spread of the gospel in unlikely places among unlikely people. It was always God's intent that the gospel spread beyond Jerusalem, and the Jewish population there. It has always been in his heart that the church be made up of people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. See Matthew 28, 19. What does Matthew 28, 19 say? <laughs> Go therefore, do what? Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Okay. So yes, when the 
Go ahead. Yet when the gospel began to be preached to the Greeks, a group of people the Jews considered out of bounds made Jewish believers very, many Jewish believers were skeptical. So they sent their trusted emissary, Barnabas, to check out the situation. Having seen the grace of God at work in these new Gentile believers, Barnabas turned to what was second nature to him, encouragement. Specifically, he encouraged these new believers to grow spiritually. How do we encourage spiritual growth in someone else? The example of Barnabas gives us some keys. Number one, encourage with joy. When Barnabas arrived at Antioch, he saw what God was doing and he was glad. Our greatest joy should come from seeing the work of God in other lives. To see someone be born again and then to play a role in encouraging them to grow in Christ are wonderful opportunities of eternal consequence. Number two, encourage with faith. Barnabas encouraged these new believers to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. Through the Spirit, he sought to help them discover what the Holy Spirit could do in and through them as they lived out their faith. Number three, encouraged with perseverance. Barnabas brought in Saul, and together they persevered in discipling the believers in their walk with Christ. We shouldn't make the mistake of thinking encouragement is a one-time thing. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process that calls for perseverance on our part. After all, that's the way God deals with us. See Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we can be certain, absolutely certain, that God who did what? A good work who in began, God. Who started a good work in you mm -hmm. will not fall down on the job, right? He most certainly will not. But he'll continue his work until it is finally finished. Yes. On the day when Jesus returns. Yes. Good sources of encouragement here. Encourage with joy, encourage with faith, and encourage with perseverance. Yes. Notice um, uh, the last paragraph there. As we have seen, Barnabas encouraged others through his generosity and the church flourished. Church flourished because he encouraged through his generosity. Then by encouraging and supporting Paul, Barnabas, Paul, Paul, Barnabas helped the other apostles to accept his ministry in his early days. And as we see in this passage, Barnabas encouraged and spread the gospel in unlikely places among unlikely, unlikely people. Good example for us, isn't it? Yes. Because sometimes. I think it's very interesting that Barnabas took Saul under his wing when no one else, you know, really assist would assist him in his ministry. Mm -hmm. And then later, Barnabas took John when Paul. Uh, didn't want him any longer because he had, mm -hmm. he, had, he had kind of you know made a mistake and, yeah. and Paul wanted didn't want him going with him because he felt like he'd be a hindrance. Mm -hmm. But Barnabas was still that good man, yeah. good encourager, good encourager, mm -hmm. and took John and look what happened to John. Mm -hmm. So he would he didn't just 
encourage Saul, but he was an encourager to more than one. So we see how he got his name, right? Yes. <laughs> Son of encouragement. Question number four. Yes. Who has encouraged your spiritual growth over the years? Pastors. Pastors, anyone in particular? Oh, and Pastor Lee. Lee. Church. Pastor Lee, okay. Members of the church. My mother. Your mother, okay. Parents, okay. Anyone else? Mother Cousins. Cousins. Cousins, all right. Mother Sarai. Mother Sarai, for Sister Brenda. Spiritual advisors. Kevin. Spiritual advisors within my church family. Okay, spiritual advisors within the church family. So we have many sources of encouragement uh, in our lives. Teachers, okay. Question number five, how can you use your resources, gifts, skills, and talents to encourage others? Perseverance. Mm -hmm. Take time with them too. Maybe somebody needs you to be there for them. Okay. Be Stand there for them. Stand with them. Stand with them. Mm -hmm. uh, persevere with them. Yes. Anyone else? Okay, so the point again is Christ-centered living chooses what? Encouragement over criticism. not criticism. All right, and remember the words of Oswald Chambers there. Yes. God has given us that discernment for a purpose. Yeah. Okay, let's look at how we can flesh this out. Yeah. Uh, as we go forth, uh, God has told us uh, some things here today, challenged our hearts, encouraged us. Uh, consider uh, these options for supporting and encouraging others in the days to come. Encourage friends. Think of people who are closest to you right now. What is one specific sentence you can say to each of them to encourage them? Okay, you may know of someone who's going through something, uh, having some challenge in their lives at this particular point. And uh, think of what you can say to them to encourage them. Encourage your pastor. Your pastor might be someone you don't consider when you think of encouraging someone. Take time this week to do so with a note or conversation. Okay? And then encourage others in your community. Part of encouragement is being willing to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. As a group, identify those people in your community and plan some actions that you can take to stand up for them. Okay? So we have three points there, three action points that we can take from our lesson today as we move forward uh, to make this time in God's Word uh, practically applicable uh, in our daily lives. You you are who you are because someone is willing to encourage you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and we can probably think of that person every time we go through a uh, uh, situation in our lives. That person, along with many others, formed the rebar of your life. Mm -hmm. The support and structure that makes you stable. Now go. Do likewise in the lives of others. So think of, of someone who you can be rebar to in your life this coming week.